Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. I would expect to see him in the preseason. However, you know me. I'm a wild card. I do think um, game reps are valuable um, depending on where you're at in your journey for preseason, um, setting up the regular season. So uh, I would expect him to play. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. You know, when we played uh, audio last week of Miami's head coach talking about, yeah, you might see Tua Tonga-Vailoa play, eh, but the wild card's me, but I would expect Tua Tonga-Vailoa play. I didn't think we'd be talking about this past weekend. I was thinking that maybe maybe we'd be talking about week three of the preseason, you know, get your feet wet, have the week off, and then be ready to go. But uh, little did we know, Tua Tonga-Vailoa would get in action this past weekend in uh, week two of the NFL preseason. As we wrap up week two of the NFL preseason with Ravens and Commanders going on right now. Um, I, Hunter Hughes, I liked what I saw from Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Small sample size, but I think a couple things that I I liked true to form. You know about, about this, having watched him as much as you have. His ability to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Yep. Um, saw that on one of his uh, screen passes to the flat. And I think someone timed it from snap. From snap. <laughs> I always forget my computer audio is on. From snap. And your watch is always listening. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm waiting for my watch to die. Just so give it, it time. It's under 10%. Um, <laughs> from from snap to catch, it was like 0.66 seconds. Dang. Yeah. All right. Um, so he was not afraid to throw without the laces then. That's right. I mean, that that felt like that's mid-season Bra- that's Bra- form. And I was going to say that's Brady-esque. Yeah. Um, I'd even put Rodgers in that conversation. Uh, the, the way that those guys are able to separate not only from a generational ability to read defenses, mm-hmm. but getting the ball to – Slot guys, like the way that Brady would get the ball to Edelman or Wes Welker back in the day right? as quickly as he possibly could. And same with Rodgers getting it out to Devontae Smith when there was a mismatch. It it makes offense so much easier at the NFL level when you don't – you could throw that with nobody blocking for you. Mm -hmm. Literally, the the offensive line could not even be on the field and you still get a completion. That's right. So – um, I love that yeah, we even talked about that last week. If there was one thing that we would like to see from Tua in the preseason is stuff like that is game speed in a game like environment, because I don't care how you simulate it at practice. One thing is still on the forefront of everybody's brain. We're at practice. Yeah. We're at practice. It doesn't matter. Uh, you simulate it mattering in preseason. So um, back to kind of what McDaniel was saying, Josh, in a world of fake news, McDaniel was not <laughs> fake newsing us. Yeah, he was He was not fake newsing us. In fact, he still tried to find a way to keep us on our toes, even though he was telling the truth all along. He did. Um, five of seven, 61 yards, did have an interception, and that was early. Um, he got better off of that, which is which is all you can ask for. I mean, we didn't see him since Christmas, so it's it's been a while. I think the other thing that I liked from watching him, it's clear that 
he has been reminded that if you're going to go to the ground, if someone's taking a shot at you, that if there's anything that you can do to soften the blow or to lessen the blow, you got to do it. Um, there was a hit that came in, and I don't remember who it was from the Houston Texans. It wasn't like a, a, a hit like shoulder level or chest level. It was still right around the waist. Um, but it's like he kind of took a precaution as he was going down, turned his body to make sure that when he landed, it wasn't going to be landing, you know, in the back of his head. It yep. kind of just landed on his side. He was able to kind of, you know, brace himself as he went down. And to me, that sounds like anything that has been said to him, any of the preparation um, of how he's got to stay healthy over the course of the year sunk in there. Yeah. I I love how guys like Russell Wilson take sacks. Um, by the way, he took a lot of them last year. Um, <laughs> yes, and he'll uh, take more this year. That's right. Um, uh, guys like Rodgers, uh, they they never allow themselves to get hip checked. Mm-hmm. It, you you don't see WWE moves being put on those guys. And I think um, you know at least in Russell Wilson's perspective, I think. Tua could learn something from him. Russell is dense. He's actually a pretty thick guy for not being all that tall. And it helps the minute that you feel contact kind of balling up and and kind of falling like a dead weight, if you will. The, The minute that you're still trying to stay on your feet, it's always one of those kind of fine line things of, okay, do we try to extend the play here or do we admit defeat and go down and literally live to fight another day. I, I think Tua is figuring that out. And again, only in game-like environments are you going to be able to fully feel what that feels like. It's kind of nice um, to have Tua to talk about. Um, it, it takes us away from having to talk about Marcus Mariota mm. um, and, and how tough of a struggle that is. But I, you know, at the end of the day, I, I doubt we see Tua in, in game number three of the, uh, uh, of the preseason. I think, from what you take away there in that, what, about quarter-ish, I think you take away everything you need to know. That um, I, I think you, as, as we're watching a brawl, here we go, uh, Ravens, Commanders, I think you saw brawl. me wince, too. I did. Yeah, um, knew that one was you, coming. You first pointed for a touchdown, and then you saw big old offensive linemen, one of them doing the, uh, was it the gritty, whatever it is? Something like yeah. that. Big old offensive lineman come in and push the defensive back, blindside him and because you know um, some offensive linemen just can't do it to the defensive back's faces. Yeah, and um, one thing I know about old linemen, they love to hit people. Yes, they do. They they <laughs> lick their chops at an opportunity to get a clean one, and uh, that DB was nowhere near the play. No, Josh, you're right. Watch. Okay, he's going in the end zone. Oh, that was so out of pocket. Um, That might even be offensive targeting. We'll see. Uh, Yeah, Um, it it might have to be. But uh, the the other thing that has come up in this this game, Josh, I don't know if you've noticed this, a new camera angle. There's a camera on the uh, support beam of of the goalpost. So you actually get the back line of the end zone vertical. So mm-hmm. above, about 10 feet off of the end zone, so you get that back line right there. I, I, I haven't seen that before. That's cool. You know, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Well, well A, I mean, it kind of catches like half, right? 
Um, you know, if you're ever looking for an instant replay, that's that's kind of definitive. It reminds me of a conversation that we had on Saturday. I was literally just thinking that. Were you really? I was. See, this is what happens when and we work together. I wasn't sure if you wanted to uh, let the general public out on uh, information like that. but uh, Yeah, well, there's a few things. I mean, some of that was, was meant to disseminate. Sure. Um, for example... Uh, when you watch a University of Hawaii game that is not nationally televised, note that one thing you don't have as much as we're – oh, I see it. I see the cameras now. It uh-huh. actually does cover both sides. So one's on the left side of the uh, of the support bar. The other, the other one's on the right. Okay. Um, that So when you watch a University of Hawaii game that's produced locally, they don't have for instant replay – something similar to a goal line cam or a camera that is situated near there. Remember um, when you played at uh, Aloha Stadium, you had the truck. You did. And the the truck would roam the sideline only on one side. um, It was usually the away bench until Rolo swapped everybody over in, I believe it was 2019. Okay. They changed benches. And it was like an Old, old truck. Oh. It was like one of those Toyotas from the early 90s. Not only that, uh, well, uh, to their defense, they did wrap the front and the back with like a gymnastics pad. <laughs> oh, did they really? Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, and they like duct taped it <laughs> to the truck. But it, it was like classic Hawaii production where <laughs> you've got a guy on the camera in the back, literally in the bed of the truck. Right. And then you've got same like what we have on the sideline now. You've got a couple – uh, camera people that are like You're stringing line, stringing and threading the uh, the cords so that the truck wouldn't run the cords over, <laughs> right? And then also they're like yelling at you to get out of the way, yeah. Because if you didn't have your head in a swivel, which I, I spent a lot of time on the sideline, um, you you could get clipped by that truck, man. It was not okay. Yeah, I was I was worried that that camera truck was so old. How old was it thank you hunter yep. it was so old I've i was worried it, it was i was worried it was gonna break down that's how old it was yeah I mean, literally it was well, like an early 90s like toyota pickup truck also if you look at the aloha stadium from above right the interior is kind of a very faint oval yes and so in the corners mainly where the end zones are if the truck is following the perimeter of the stands adjacent to the field right there, there's not a lot of sideline then between where the truck is and where the end zone is. Right. So if you're trying to get a good look on the sideline, which I, I usually was, um, <laughs> uh, you, you, you had to be careful that you didn't get clipped by that truck. Yeah. Because the, 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 bless that truck's heart, they're doing their job. Yes, like, they are. We, we need that camera angle f- to see if they – Broke the plane of the end zone. Yep, I was just so worried that you know you just hear like the putt putt of the uh, of, of the engine. Mm. And you might get like a little exhaust fumes from that. Now I'm I'm thinking of a line from The Office where uh, you always have a oh, line. Dude, from the I office. always have The Office cooking. But uh, Andy Bernard runs Dwight Schrute over with his Prius, and Dwight doesn't turn around because if you keep the Prius under five miles an hour, it's it's silent. So. <laughs> If that truck happened to be a Prius, then we absolutely would have gotten hit by it. Good point. Yeah. Um, so we, we're, we're talking about this because 
Um, we were at the uh, officials meeting on Saturday. Yep. More on that in, in you know some of the nuts and bolts about that in, in a moment, including what happened to us. Just, yeah, we got educated. Yes, we did. And humbled. Yes, we did. <laughs> um, but we were going over things like replay. We'll share some of this stuff over the course of the week because um, there are things that are, are good to know out of this for your viewing experience. So, for example, you know, we'll watch SEC Network um, with uh, uh, Taylor Zarzer, I think is calling it. With uh, in fact, it's literally right in front of me. Taylor Zarzer, Matt Stinchcomb, we're going to call the game. It's SEC Networks. Uh, since it's prime time, they're probably going to have a goal line camera, and they're probably going to have maybe like eight cameras around around the stadium. But yeah, that's one of the things that here, when you have a game here, and even with some of the local productions that go on the road, if you got to go to replay, you don't have a goal line camera Mm. and in, in instances that make a difference, you and I both remembered, um, and I don't, I don't remember which game, but I remember the moment when a Hawaii receiver, um, dropped the football purposely shy of the goal line as they were going in for a touchdown. And it was clear as day that he dropped it shy of the goal line, but there was no camera to definitively prove that the nose of the ball wasn't across the goal line when he dropped it. So the touchdown stood as amazing as it was, because I think we all saw it and wondered, really? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, so those kind of things are, are important. We also learned in replay that um, there is, while you have a replay official, at every game, the Mountain West for the first time is now going to a command center. Um, the ACC has one. I think it's in Charlotte. Um, the Big 12 has had one in Dallas. And I, I never really put two and two together, but it was announced like a month ago that the Mountain West is joining uh, a referees consortium with the Southland. And That's I a think- good word for the day. Consortium. And it's and it's truly a word. And uh, we we don't have to go to Urban Dictionary for <laughs> no, that we, one. No, we don't. Um, the Southland, I think, the American and the Big Twelve, along with the Mountain West. And so part of that is the Big 12's, um command center in Dallas is also going to be used by at least the Mountain West. And I'm I'm guessing all those other conferences. So when there is a an instant replay yeah. or a replay review, it's not. Well, the referee here actually doesn't see it. He just comes to the sideline, and he's just talking story with whoever's in the booth. They don't have, like, one of those mini, like, periscope, like, monitors. Like, you know those, right? I think they just come to the sideline. They have a headset on. Um, Mm -hmm. You have the booth replay, and they're discussing with whoever is in charge of the game in Dallas. And they make the determination with the referee on the field as to what the call's going to be. Sure hope their signal's good. Yeah. It's a long-distance call. It is. Um, and you never know if things can get spotty. So Let's see if Liz knows what we're talking about when we say, can you hear me now? Good. She does not. Oh. Those Verizon commercials are only probably about a decade old. Yeah, that, that's that, okay. That sale. You know what? To, to, to be fair, you're not missing out on much. Yeah, that's true. You're, you're not. Um, but the, yeah, Josh the, and I had to listen to that line probably a million and a half times watching football as we were growing up. Yeah, you know the um, the equivalent of the Verizon. Can you hear me now? Good commercials. Yeah. Liberty Mutual. No. 
the T-Mobile commercial that's airing right now with the two guys from Scrubs. Oh. When they're singing about internet at T-Mobile. It is, and I, and I love Scrubs. Yep. Love the show. I am fatigued by the commercial. Well, then that means you remembered it. Yeah, that that's is how true. They, they, they wear you down like a urinal cake. How was that <laughs> metaphor for a Monday? <laughs> Josh is officially worn down. That, yeah, that metaphor just, um, <laughs> why? <laughs> you know, sometimes you throw me curveballs, and then sometimes you throw me like a gyro ball. Oh, no, that, that, was, a, that, that was a knuckle. That, um, that is a picture I need out of my head immediately. <laughs> so in order to do that, uh, we're going to take a break because when we come back, what else did we learn from the uh, the officials meeting that we were at? Man, take that out of your mind. It's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. Coming up, this is game week uh, for Hawaii football, and we have depth charts. Yeah. <laughs> game week. Nobody more excited about depth charts than Hunter Hughes. Um, but you know, this is this is when we know we're getting close to to a game because when we see that, uh, we have things to talk about. And I think in in the last hour since uh, we've gotten these depth charts, and you take them for what you will, if there's any gamesmanship, etc. Um, there are a couple of names I think we can uh, we can take out of that. So uh, we'll do that coming up in just a little while. So we were mentioning we were at the. Um, uh, officials meetings, which was well attended. Um, you know, everybody from uh, from Bobby Curran, who is a staple at those, uh, to uh, to uh, basically almost all of our team, like like seventy five or seventy to seventy five percent of our team. We just missed Mark and Gary. Yeah. Um, and then even the, the the director from Spectrum Sports. We we ran the gamut uh, of people we who were there. You and I got in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> now, um, you know, I, 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 this is why we go to these things, because um, getting educated is a good thing so that we don't screw up when the season starts. And to give people a, a, an idea of how we got in trouble. So we get there. We're talking story. Um, George Gusman, who is just an awesome, awesome dude, um, who, who knows officiating like it is breathing. Um, he heard us because he listens to us on his walk, depending what time. And we were talking about something that you saw at practice, which was Solo Vipulu yeah. um, catching passes. R- remind us what you saw. And running the rock. There you go. Uh, they've, they've used Solo in kind of a utility man function on the offense where – They'll not only incorporate him on uh, the offensive line, which is his position, but then we'll pull him back and have him in pass protection and even have him go out and uh, run routes and run the ball. So for that to happen, as per NCAA regulations, you got to have a specific type of number to be able to uh, legally, if you will, within the Mm -hmm. confines of the rules, get that accomplished. And uh, we kind of screwed that up when we talked about it. Because, well, part of it, I mean, we kind of understood. Um, In the words of George, uh, utterly butchered it. <laughs> yes. That, that's what he said to us. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, so he wears a number, 
which is not a, an acceptable number to be um, in in that position next. I think it's like I wrote it down in my notes. My notes are in my backpack. My backpack is in the other room. Uh, I believe it's like one to forty nine because you think of like the fullback number, right? Yeah. I think it's one to forty nine. And it was it 70s through the 90s, whatever it was. Don't quote me on the last one. But you basically have to, because he, he wears 52. He has to change his number. Um, the When he comes into the game, he has to tell the official, uh, I'm coming in as a skill position player, um, and this is my number. The official has to go tell everybody uh, via his microphone that um, so-and-so has changed his number from 52 to 25 and is now eligible. Mm-hmm. And then after all of those things, um, he is he's, he's eligible to be in the game. So, yeah, as, as George said, we utterly butchered that. <laughs> um, but now we have an idea. So if you notice in a game, if this ends up coming out in a game, um, if Solo is still wearing 52, then that would be a, a penalty. On, on Hawaii because you, right. you can't do that. Um, he would have to change his number. And, yeah, it would be kind of odd to see a big number 25 uh, at 6'2", 280. To something south of 50 mm-hmm. or north of 80. There you go. That, that's there the zone. you go. That's the zoning that he was talking right. about. I'm glad, I'm glad you remembered something that, that you didn't have to look well, at your I, notes I don't, for. I don't want to get metaphorically spanked again. <laughs> That was I was I felt I felt uh, uh, exposed. Yeah, but you see, no. But the good thing is that he said that to us when nobody else was around. That's true. He did, so he he cared about us. He did uh, to not properly uh, expose us in front of everybody affiliated with uh, Hawaii Broadcasting this now, this fall. Last year, <laughs> last year I I won't name names. But he said the same thing about uh, some other people who work here at this radio station that weren't at the uh, officials' meeting. And uh, he basically said that to everybody, that those individuals screwed it up. Won't name names. That's right. Um, but it, it's, uh, it, it's a team. Those refs are tough, man. You got to make sure you're on your stuff or they will let you know. Yeah. Um, there are other things we learned. Again, we'll, we'll sprinkle it in throughout the show. But uh, depth chart time. This is uh, this is when we know it's uh, it's game week Monday when we can go look at depth charts and see what overreactions we can create from depth charts. So let's do that, uh, especially at the wide receiver position. It is off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. As we prepare for game week, Hawaii football on Saturday. So this is what we're going to do for our uh, our Saturday coverage. Uh, we're going to have a special edition of Hawaii football now. News to you. We're just taking the show and we're airing it on Saturday. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So uh, oh. I need you and Jordan to give me a few extra minutes on the podcast. Easy. So we can uh, spread out to 90 minutes. All right. Which includes commercials. I'm not asking you guys to do 90 minutes. Just but by the way, this is the first that Josh is letting me know about it. It is. Right now. Because Why it, not let me know on the air? Because uh, it doesn't necessarily affect what you guys do. It's true. It's just um, this is what's happening. So sure. you guys are getting some extra airtime. Great. Yeah. So 
10 to 1130 uh, uh, will be uh, Hawaii football now. Awesome. Countdown to kickoff from 1130 to 130. And then uh, kickoff of Hawaii and Vandy just after uh, 1.30 or so from uh, the uh, the Vanderbilt Stadium that still has its end zones not completed. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of our game day. And, of course, uh, the fans' voice presented by Castle Resorts and Hotels. Yes, for you degenerates, um, <laughs> after the game uh, for a good 45 minutes or so. So we've got, um, we've got the depth charts in front of us. Now, take it for what it is. This, it, this it's Monday. It can change between now and Friday's practice or if there's like a late scratch on Saturday. So you can never hold on to these. But there is a name that no, I don't think anybody has talked about up to, frankly, reading the depth chart today. And I could very well be wrong. Maybe I've missed a headline here or there. Pofele Ashlock. He is a 6'2 freshman from Euless, Texas. And he is listed... As a starting wideout, the guys below him, Kuali Nishigaya and Nick Senecal at that particular position. Other starting wide receivers, Jonah Pinoke and Stephen McBride. But not a name I was expecting to see here, Pofele Ashlock, Hunter Hughes. This is uh, yeah. this is interesting. It's definitely interesting. Uh, number 86 for uh, people who, who have come to practice or – uh, seeing the team at some of the you know the Saturday fan experience um, days, he's been a, a solid slot receiver for us. So I, I, I anticipate him being used uh, probably in one of those H kind of uh, slot positions. And uh, though those are, uh, I believe it's him, Jonah Pinoke, and Stephen McBride, and McBride, the transfer from Kansas. Although those are the three that are uh, mentioned. I can let you know we're going to see a bunch of receivers in this offense. Uh, I think uh, they might have just been hard pressed to to pick three, probably, um, because we we might see a different three receivers starting on a game to game basis, depending on uh, what we're trying to accomplish in the run and shoot. So I'm super excited to uh, to see what he does for us and uh, go Bows, baby. Yeah, I I'm looking at. At the three deeps, basically at the wide receiver position. I mean, we mentioned Nisha Guy, we mentioned Senecal, Chuki Hines, um, Jalen Walthel, Walthel, um, Alex Perry, Carson yep. Pupunu, who is back with the team. I I feel for that young man. Um, I I was watching the news. Uh, was it Friday or Saturday? I think they, he lost four family members. Yeah. In um in in that blaze in Lahaina. I I. I feel for him, um, his strength, his perseverance through something so difficult. Um, I, I, I think my heart is 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 just with him and how he can, you know, how he can work through this. Um, I, I don't know. How, I, I don't know how to relate to it. I can't. No. Um, all we can do is kind of give him the strength. To, uh, to to carry through. But um, other than that, I mean, I look at I, I look at the offensive line, that center position with Tanu Vasa ahead of Solo Vaipulu. Um, I, I see Kaena DeCambra yep, right starting tackle. right tackle. Yep. Um, Kahuku. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the, uh, a couple of things that stand out to me offensively. Uh, who's at tight end, if you don't mind me? It would be Grayson Morgan. Okay. 
Good. Which I think is was as expected. Um, cornerback position, or let's let's talk secondary. Okay. Um, I I think this is probably one of the the most deep secondaries Hawaii has had in a while. Is yeah. that fair? I I think that's extremely fair. I think we knew the starting corners, or at least the 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 ones in the depth chart at corner between uh, Verdell Edwards the second and Cam Stone. I think we had a pretty good idea of that. Safety position, uh, Peter Manuma at one safety has Mekki Pay at the other. Uh, although I, I would expect you see a, a decent amount of Matungi Thompson, mm-hmm. I would think. Um, and then, uh, well, it, and it's this is the uh, the three three five that they have here listed because they've got a, the the Nickelback too mm. in uh, in CJ Williams. Um, yeah, I don't I I don't know that there's anything that that really surprises me here when I look at the defensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, I, I I think that to me looks pretty straightforward. What I am kind of interested in, and um, this will be, I think, I, I haven't seen it, so this will be a first for me. Cam Stone is a returner. Hmm. But I, I I think we saw him at Wyoming yeah. in that similar role. So it, he is at the top of the kick returner and punt returner charts. Um, Tyler Hines there too. As uh, either or at the punt returner spot. Yep. Um, Chuki Hines, Tylen Hines um, as kick returners behind Cam Stone. My only, um, my only concern, Cam Stone is so important. Tylen Hines is so important. Yep. Um, I want to keep them healthy yeah. through 13 games. And while I love I love Cam Stone's abilities, I don't uh, – part of me doesn't want to see him return every punt. Yeah. You know, it's uh, not so much – when we think punt return and we think kick return, we think that they're going to be – potentially asked to do a lot mm-hmm. with uh, with their legs and put them in a position um, to maybe get hurt. But especially for punting, punt return, you want one of your trusted hands guys mm-hmm. and uh, most poised and experienced um, mature guys back there that won't get overwhelmed in a situation that you can almost secure that they're going to catch every punt. Mm-hmm. So I, I think of that with a guy like Cam Stone where – he will unquestionably want, be one of our leaders out there, and we can trust him to make a good mental decision. There if, you go. If a ball is coming hot and bouncing a lot, like, hey, I'm, I'm staying away from that one. If, if a ball doesn't quite go as high and you, you feel like, hey, I can catch this one and get upfield a little bit, it actually takes quite a bit of maturity from that punt returner position that coaches – can rely on to not turn the ball over. Yeah. Um, Especially at the college level, special teams turnovers kill you, and we can't afford those. So that's that's really the other update there is from kick returner and punt returner. Um, Nothing else really to me kind of stands out there. How about punter, if you don't mind me asking? Punter. Do they have Falk there, or do they have uh, um, Shipley? It's uh, Orr. Orr. There we go. Falk. And Shipley. There we go. They're at the uh, punt return. Nice. Uh, punt spots. Uh, they both have had great falls, so I was curious where they, they had them there. Probably interchangeable depending on what kind of kick you want. Falk on kickoffs. Uh, Shipley on place kicking. Ben Falk has a boot mm-hmm. 
of a foot. Uh, he throws or he kicks a better spiral than I throw a spiral. And I don't say that lightly. <laughs> there's there's something rolling through my head that I want to say, but I won't. He like the, he can kick a spiral. It's like one of the prettiest things I've ever seen. It's it's awesome. So yeah, keep an eye out for uh, big sixty nine out there. He he can kick kick the crap out of a ball. Sixty nine as a punter. Yep, it's eligible for Ooh. that for that position. No, it's not. No punter. Oh, punter. It's, uh, it's eligible for a punter position. I see. Yeah. I thought you meant like what we were talking about with Solo right. being able to run the ball. Right. Gotcha, gotcha, Because gotcha. I, I, don't, I don't think of punters wearing a number in the 60s, mm. but but he will and he can. That's true. Um, as we prepare for Saturday, I mean, you were uh, at practice on Saturday uh, right after we had the officials meeting. Of course, you know, practice tomorrow before uh, before they head out. Um, what is top of mind with you right now uh, with this team as we head toward uh, the Vanderbilt game? To be honest, Josh, I'm not just saying this. I got a got a chance to uh, talk with Coach um, uh, Shoemaker uh, when he was leaving practice on Saturday. I told him I, I felt like there was a bump up from production with this offense. I tough to put a a finger on exactly when it happened. I uh, want to say sometime like at the beginning of last week where we were just – we looked sound. We were making a, a ton more catches. We were moving the ball up the field in team environments, getting the ball out of our hands quickly. Uh, QBs were making quicker reads. Um, the offensive line were creating holes. And it just – it looked like we were putting the pieces together of the puzzle. And so that's the first thing that's top of mind right now is – we, we talked expectations last week. Right. And what is realistic? And I talked with John Veneri about this on, on Saturday as well. If we can get to one score a quarter, 28 points a game, that would be fantastic for us. Uh, I think that would put us mathematically in a good position to win. Top of mind right now, I feel like we can get there from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. So depending on what happens on defense, what happens on special teams, offense should be able to score once a quarter. I want to take that expectations comment once one step closer. I mean, we talk about expectations for a game in general. I want to narrow it down to Saturday. Hmm. Uh, we'll do that coming up here in just a little bit. Right now, our M. Dyer Global scoreboard, it's brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Halftime of the uh, Monday Night Football preseason special. Commanders are commanding 17-14 lead. Thank you. On the uh, Baltimore Ravens. We're seeing Sam Howell. Um, I like what I'm seeing from Sam Howell here uh, in the first half. He threw a touchdown pass before the end of the half uh, that led to that little fracas. 17-14 there uh, at the half. Major League Baseball, San Francisco Giants give up an inside-the-park home run to Bryce Harper. Uh, Predictably, the Giants would also lose uh, 10-4 to the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, in that game today, a uh, couple of games in progress include the uh, Houston Astros 4-3 lead in the Boston Red Sox bottom four. No score between Kansas City and Oakland and Texas and Arizona and uh, Miami and the San Diego Fathers. Uh, they're back to playing after having a, a doubleheader on Saturday. They had to clear out things on uh, Sunday because of the uh, tropical storm Hillary that ruled through Reds and Angels 
not able to play because it's too wet in uh, in L.A. And by the way, Dodgers didn't have to play today, but that parking lot around Dodger Stadium is basically underwater. Uh, so that should be interesting when they get back to play. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Always on the move. We'll trim our expectations down to week zero. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update 11 minutes away. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. I needed a little REM on a on a Monday. A little peppy. A little bit. A little a little bit of peppy REM for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm trying to dip a little bit into uh, to 90s rock. Mm-hmm. There's not much to dip into in 90s rock, but whatever you can take out of that, uh, maybe we'll get some 90s R&B. Yeah, plenty to dip into there. Uh, a lot of that very much on the softer side. Mm. The uh, the boys to men's. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking more Tupac. No, nah, now nah, now we're getting smalls. now we're getting out of R&B. Now, now we're getting into just uh, depends on who rap. you're talking to, I guess. Yeah, that's, but that's very true. Um, you can get in touch with us. Uh, our Zephyr Insurance text lines at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. We can talk about ex, uh, you know, uh, expectations for an entire year. Um, but let's let's kind of go game by game here. Well, mm. we'll we'll do one, um, yeah. and that is and that is Vanderbilt right in front of us uh, here on Saturday. If we're to talk about the expectations for Saturday, what are what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let, let's get a little more specific. What what side of well, expectations okay, can, are you are you asking I, I, about? I mean, I'm I'm looking at Hawaii. Obviously, uh, we can look at each side of the ball. Okay. Um, because for me, I don't necessarily look at it as you know I'm expecting a win. Um, you know, Vanderbilt is definitely a double digit point favorite, uh, as, as the odds say, but when you, when you watch Hawaii on the offensive end, what do you, what do you want to see? What are you, what are you expecting in week number one? Cause personally, I don't know that I expect to see the run and shoot, you know, perfect. No. In, in week one, but what to you would say, I'm happy with what I see. Yeah. I, I think that's. A little premature uh-huh. to think that we're going to get 2019 run and shoot where right. we're averaging just shy of 40 points a game. Um, I would love to see no turnovers. Um, I would love to see our sack total less than three. If um, if we're if we're giving Braden time to make reads and our receivers to get downfield. The run and shoot creates possibilities just in its nature. Um, so those are a couple of metrics right there that I would love to to look at. Uh, again, we, we've talked about it at different points where I, I would love from a very conservative standpoint, if we can get one touchdown a quarter, right. that, that, that really is, a, in my mind, a, a feasible and not outlandish uh, – kind of aiming point for our offense so um outside of that I, I i think it's unfair to say like no interceptions or something like that i i or no fumbles no turnovers obviously you want to win the turnover battle but right. 
to create an omelet, you're going to have to break a few eggs now and now and again. Um, I, I know that's probably a, a horrible metaphor. To create an omelet, it needs to be seasoned well. Ooh. To create an omelet, you need some bacon bits in there. Need some bacon. Need now, some, now we're going far past the whole thing. Some ham and cheese. Um, um, but I would, you know, for me, I want to see timing. Mm. So I, I guess that's my expectation in week one is I want to see, uh, or week zero, I want to see where Braden Shager's timing lies in a game situation um, against an SEC defense. Yeah. Granted, that may not be the um, the best iteration of uh, what to expect over the course of the year, but I do want to see what is what is he taking away over you know an off season of learning this offense, and how quick is he in making decisions? How quick are how quick are the reads um, with his receivers? I want to see timing. Mm. I, I think that's and and when it's not there. When when you know a, a defense kind of blows up your timing or or blows up what you want to do on a play, yeah. How quickly are you, you then determining? I need to get out of the pocket and use and use my legs. And timing with throws usually goes hand in hand with spacing. Uh huh. So how open guys are, how open guys are when they're catching the ball, usually has to do with timing of plays, timing of throws. Um, the other thing with the run and shoot that I, if I could kind of uh, curb the expectations of everyone listening on Please this show. Do. Okay, I, We need to. If there's ever a time where a ball is thrown and the receiver's nowhere around and the DB is nowhere around, please. I'm speaking to everyone listening to ESPN Honolulu <laughs> right now. Please do not call Gary Dickman on the fan's voice after the show and blame our quarterback – probably going to be Braden Shager for making a bad throw right there. Mm-hmm. Reads are being made on the fly. Yeah. Okay. So one route that might be going vertical, depending on what defense is being put in front of you could actually be going to the sideline, depending on uh, what read needed to be made. And it was a miscommunication. Please don't throw the quarterback directly under the bus. Okay. Of course, coming from an ex quarterback. Of myself. course. I want that to be understood. I would love if the football education of Hawaii football could be just bumped up a a couple of notches because of this show, Josh. I I would love that because just because a ball is thrown and it's not where the wide receiver is supposed to be doesn't mean that it's actually a bad throw. Here's something I feel confident about. Nobody will will, will be calling Gary from that sisterhood social event mm. that when they were in the room and they were you know listening to Timmy and they were kind of getting some chalk talk stuff those individuals that were in the room will not be calling the they fans voice calling. after the game nope. and saying what is wrong with that quarterback they're fine you don't you don't have to appeal to them and for for all those people that that say that girls don't know football, all of those girls that go through that sisterhood social, yeah, know they, a, know a great deal more about football than the vast majority watching this game on Saturday. Like how you put that, it, it's true. And probably a vast majority uh, of those calling into the show too. <laughs> we, we we need we need higher football IQs in the world. Hey, you know what? This is what we're here for. We are here. To educate. That's why I have a former football player. 
You are here to educate. We are making a difference. It keeps everyone from getting ridiculously angry. The, you, you're not going to change that. In Hawaii football season, uh, you will never have a game, even in a 20-point win, where someone's not angry. Mm. And many times, those people are degenerates. Ooh. Just to let you know. It could have been 40. Sports setters on the way. We've also got to look at traffic. When I wake up, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm going to be. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Our game week coverage is going to begin here as we prepare for uh, Hawaii and Vandy on Saturday. Andrew Allegretta. Uh, who is the uh, play-by-play voice for Vanderbilt, is going to join us tomorrow. Uh, Ross Tucker is going to be calling the game on national radio uh, on Westwood One. Uh, He is also uh, CBS's uh, new NFL, well, I shouldn't say new NFL analyst, but he's moving into a television role on uh, on TV now with CBS. Happy for him. Nice. Um, He's going to join you and Tanner Hayworth on Thursday. I'll be out. I've got uh, Wahine Soccer against uh, Sacramento State, which, oh, by the way, Five goals in the second half. Ten goals were scored combined by that's both a fun Gonzaga day. and Hawaii. That's a fun day to watch some soccer. How often do you get a 7-5 to five final score? Never. Yeah. Um, that was uh, that was certainly Three different. Three to two is a lot of goals. It is. So, uh, yeah, Rainbow Wahine soccer. Yeah, the record is uh, 0-1-1, but that's probably the most exciting 0-1-1 that you're going to find to start the year. That's not a very good showing by either team's goalies. This is true, um, but Gonzaga's good. Uh, I mean, I, I think the barometer in that week, you get an NCAA tournament team in um, uh, Utah Valley on Thursday. You get a Gonzaga team that I think is going to contend for the West Coast Conference title. Um, you know, I, I, I think that will make a world of difference. You, you, you get challenged early uh, I, I think that can be really fun but uh yeah you guys will uh we'll talk to ross tucker on thursday i think we confirmed jason matthew sharks for saturday right yeah i think that, so and that's going to be at a big city diner ypo for uh, our inaugural edition of countdown to kickoff with uh the coach and uh and and myself so uh make sure you join us there so yeah that's uh that's what we got going on uh over the course of the week as we prepare you for vanderbilt we um are certainly paying attention to what's going on on Maui. And, Hunter, mm-hmm. we got a press release a little while ago uh, from the MIL, and I'll credit, this is first reported by Rob Coleus from the Maui News. There have been a lot of questions about what happens athletically uh, with Lahaina Luna. You know, the questions especially around, I mean, not to throw any other sports to the side, Lahaina Luna is known for its football. Uh, that football program is uh, one of the most consistently successful ones uh, we have seen in the Maui Interscholastic Federation. And um, the thought of that program not playing this year um, is something that's that's kind of out there. Now, um, there was there have been meetings all week last week with Maui's athletic directors on determining what the next steps are, uh, especially because, I mean, the Maui school schedule has been impacted. Um, so there are a lot of factors that go in. The MIL released a, a press release a little while ago, um, 
and I, there I'm going to pick and choose from from this press release sure. to give people an understanding of where this is going. Uh, quote, school athletics will be an important part of the healing process for all Maui communities, and the MIO will be releasing their fall sports schedules soon. Uh, they say here, these schedules, which include both public and private schools, are being developed to accommodate the fluid circumstances created by the Maui wildfires. All options are being considered and may include game rescheduling when possible based on venue availability. Um, due to the limitations of the school calendar, forfeits and or teams not participating or completing the fall season may be necessary. Um, but here is the, the, the verbiage on Lahaina Luna. It's also King K. Kaulike as well. Any scheduled games for Lahaina Luna and King K. Kaulike and all of the schedules are tentatively pending school reopening dates. The focus for these schools will be to ensure safety and make certain that student-athletes will not jeopardize their academic progress and graduation standing. There is um, there's a lot to hit there. I think, one, you feel for those students there um, at Lahaina Luna. I mean, the you know, several things you hit. One, the, the devastation in your community, first and foremost, the the human element of that, of just day-to-day life yeah. for most of those individuals has changed. Um, you know, Lahaina Luna's campus, um, I believe, is still fine. I think some stuff got um, got damaged by just wind damage, but nothing like fire-related. Uh, I didn't hear what happened to King K. Kaulike. So you have that element, school's not open, um, and who knows how long it's going to take to reopen Lahaina Luna, the elementary and high school, and, and King K. Kaulike. There are four public schools that are um, that are affected there. Um, one of them is uh, I, I can't I, I can't remember the name of school. It's it's up there. I have it in one of uh, one of my tabs here. Um, and then the third one, I don't know how many individuals have transferred out to other schools. From Lahaina Luna to you know an, an, another school nearby, but I'm sure what's tough is, and I've I've heard this, is that how many of those individuals who have gone to Lahaina Luna a good chunk of their life want to play for Lahaina Luna, whether it's football or girls volleyball, they're at another school, but do they want to play for that other school? Especially, a they they're not near home you know they're having to 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 be somewhere else and uh b it's it's not the same yeah i i had this conversation with someone earlier today and part of what came up in the conversation is for a, a lot of these seniors you might not get the chance to play for lahaina luna depending on when the school opens i mean you're, you're having to enroll in another school your freshman year was impacted 2020 because of the pandemic. So that's crazy. You bookended your high school careers with just unimaginable circumstances. And while I don't think anybody has the answer, it is such a delicate thing to go through. Um, you know, we, we know the priority first and foremost priority is, human safety and yep. and and the human element but i cannot imagine 
a player, a student athlete from Lahaina Luna playing for like a Maui high no. or playing for a Baldwin um, just so they can play. Like I, I can't imagine that happening. I Could you ever foresee there being an exemption to the MIL kind of rules and regulations if they had a, let's say, unanimous um, vote and decision from uh, King um, Kickout Like or uh-huh. Lahaina Luna and they said, we want to play. Could they find a solution to help those guys if they wanted to play? And when you think about the cultural significance of what sports brings, um, I mean, could could they find a way to make it possible for those kids? Because you're exactly right. A lot of those seniors have not only gone through COVID, but now they're going through this. It it seems uh, inhumane. I feel like uh, the 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 rules are made for us. We're not made for the rules. If that makes sense, like I, th- yeah. there's got to be some sort of humanity incorporated into all of this. I see you guys on the phones. We'll get to you here in a second at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. This I I was trying to like think this down with the person I was talking to earlier. I don't know how you can do that, you know, if either of those schools aren't open. Um, I, I, you know, and, and I also don't know the situation with the stadium. I don't know the situation with equipment. I, I don't know a lot of those things. I don't know how you can get around that. Like, if you were to grant an exemption, how does that exemption look? You know, and the other thing is, I, I, in having this conversation with someone, like I thought of, okay, well, there's Pac-5, you know, in 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 uh, in the ILH, but Pac-5 is a group of schools that don't sponsor football technically on their own, so they get together and create. You'll love this word, consortium, mm. uh, from from, from the Thank first you. hour. Yeah, you're welcome, and you know, play together under one umbrella. I can't, as much as I've thought about it, I don't know that I can find a way to create an exemption that makes sense. Because truly, uh, you know, the community, and I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm censoring myself as I say this. I usually would say the community wants it, right? The MIL statement said, you know, fall sports or sports in general is part of the healing process, right? Um, I don't know how true that is because this is one of the most unprecedented things that I have ever seen. And so I don't know what, what role sports plays in the recovery, the healing. I, I don't know that because this seems like you know, utterly disastrous as compared to anything we could ever say this very thing about. Yeah. Um, but if there is a way, I mean, I would, I would love to hear how. I just wonder, can it be enough? And then, you know, the other part is, is commuting. If you're, you know, you're going to another school, then you've got to, there, there are so many things. I don't, I don't have the answer for it, but I have a hard time 
believing it can happen. Uh, let's say hi to Neil, who's uh, hanging on very patiently. Neil, how are you? Hey, what's up, boys? So um, here's my thought, you know, because Emma, uh, Maui Scholastic League is what is King K Kaulike, Kamehameha Maui, Maui High, Baldwin, Aina mm-hmm. Luna, Hana, right? Yeah, and I, and I think some of right. those I think are are still eight man. Yeah. I don't know if all of them are are eleven. Are eleven? Yeah. Right, right, right. But I mean, like, so basically, you have like probably like I think six teams, five teams that are that are eleven on eleven. You have five, oh, yeah, five six, who are eleven five, on eleven, five, and three who are eight man. For eight man, right? Okay. Now let's. I I, I would wonder, okay, because mil. The MIL champion gets an automatic berth into the state tournament, correct? Yes. Okay. What if, what if we could, and this is in a perfect world now, because I know nothing's perfect, but in a perfect world, could you create a state tournament exemption to allow Lahaina Luna and Kinkekaulike to play in the state tournament? For the sake of playing the game of football, never mind this opportunity to win the state championship, which would be amazing if they did it. You know what a what a story that would be. But what if you made an exemption to allow for King K Kaulike and Lahaina Luna to play in the state tournament for the sake of the game and the sake of the healing process? Because realistically, if you add two more teams into the state tournament, you wouldn't, you would just need to create one more line on the bracket. Who, um, it, you know, it's, it's a cool thought and, and Neil, thank you for the call. Thanks. Neil. Um, my reservation on that is I, I would feel you can create a line, but what does that do? It, it brings you to five, so it would if you created one more line in D one, one more line in D two, you now have a, um, I think you have a five team tournament now. I have to I have to go back and and look at my uh, uh, my schedule. Yeah, it would be it would be a no. I'm sorry, um, it would be seven because you have one and two who have buys. And then you have um, in Division One and Division Two. I think open is different, but we're not talking about open here. One and two would have six. So now, when you create seven, you now are changing. Kind of well, you might not be changing your day, but now you're kind of changing the way the bracket looks. You now that now that number two C doesn't have um, that same protection that they would have. Sure. Um, the story's great, don't get me wrong, but I would I would hate to do that and affect the competition of a state tournament. You know, um because then you're gonna say, Well, hey, um, you know, we we were we we beat them or if they were able to play or we're able to, you know, get in here fair and square because we won our league, 
and we did the things that we needed to do um, as the only representative out of the MIL. I think that's the way the, the classification goes. And now that's all going to change because of that. I think we have to find – there has to be a balance or a difference between the healing process yep. and changing the competitive balance – and using the healing process as a reason for it. So, yeah, that's kind of what what I was thinking. So the, the first thing that's most important is if we're going to talk specifically sports here, and that's mm-hmm. after considering all of the other sensitivities and importances, are they physically able to play, number one? Right. Okay, that's that's number one. Number two, do they want to play? Great point. Okay. So that that's the second thing. Um, and that's everybody involved. Players, coaches, and I, I, I don't think uh parents. Yeah. I, I, I think equipment, um, infrastructure, all that stuff can be adjusted, can be helped, can even be donated from uh you you telling me that schools over here wouldn't donate. Right to to make that possible, and we're hearing that that is happening. That's right. So um, th- that that I think will be taken care of. Th- those first two things that are the the most important, and I I just don't foresee a reality where if they are going to school someplace else, even in a limited capacity, a few classes, you know, or whatever that looks like. I don't know what that 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 is going to look like for everybody. They'll find a way to help those th- those kids play. Mm-hmm. I, I I just I see that as a no brainer. The only thing I can think of, and I know we got to hit a break here in a second, is if it is if it's impossible that Lahaina Luna is going to open anytime soon. That the only thing I can think of is is Lahaina Luna coaches encouraging their kids. Hey, you might be at another school, but I encourage you to play. Yeah, and. Play with Lahaina and Lahaina Luna in your heart yep. and take that with you, but don't lose the ability to play the sport you love because of the circumstances that have affected the decision. That's right. But that, again, it can be a very personal and, and, and very different thing. Of course, thing. and that's the uh, you know the limiting thing of high school athletics is it, it's on a running clock. Right. That, that ends whenever you age out. Yeah, and... Right now, and you can't, like, change the schedules, like the the high school schedules. High school schedules are basically set. You can't extend the football season to go into December. You've got X amount of weeks. Those those weeks have already started. You can't now change it. You've got all the way till Thanksgiving weekend to finish the season. So you don't have that as as a possibility. Uh, We'll get traffic in here. Uh, Your texts and calls coming up. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. to the uh, Lahaina Luna situation on Maui. Texter from the 208. Doing COVID, were they created for high school football? No, the season was canceled. Yeah. Um, there were no state tournaments for high school football that year. So um, 
Yeah, that was that was the creativity, and their hand was forced on that. But you you had something on this. Yeah, hunting. just uh, really quick. I, I think it's it's good to think outside the box. I think we're going to need to think outside the box in the the next couple of years, uh, considering a lot of things. But I, I also think it's important to mention that for all those, myself included, that don't really have a dog in this fight, if you will, um, or aren't really that that much involved i think it's important to be sensitive in even saying what a community should or should not do yes um i i I want that to be abundantly clear that is completely up to the the families the community that's been affected to play or not to play like it please like take up your own rights in this situation because Uh it's completely up to you yeah i mean this is different vein but i have i have the words in my head of community members saying like don't rebuild our town without talking to us right and getting our input don't just assume that we can play we have a hand in that too uh traffic here uh we'll turn to the ufc coming up next It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, in case you missed uh, any of our shows uh, today, the Bobby Curran Show, the Sports Animals On Demand. Uh, well, the show's called the Sports Animals. I got the on demand part really early. Uh, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy. Those are all on demand. Show names on demand after each one of them. I just jumped the gun. Uh, ESPNHonolulu.com. And uh, you can check it out there. Listen in anytime. I hear uh, people listen to our show. Uh, on demand, that would be off the bench. On demand, nice. Uh, I, I, there are people. I'm not going to name uh, phone numbers or names that listen to our shows on the weekend and text into us. No way. On the weekend, and then we see them on Monday. Actually, I see them on the weekend. Oh man, because I have the app on my phone, and I have not figured out a way to just silence it. So my phone constantly goes off on the weekend when anybody sends in a text message to our studio line um, as they're listening to things that we were talking about during the week. And they text in and they're like, we're not here. Yeah, but you know what you're letting them in on right now? What am I letting them in on? We will still see it. Or <laughs> <laughs> we will still see their text even when we're not on the air. <laughs> or I will still see their text because I'm too dumb to figure out how to ignore it. Now, if it's good, like take a screenshot and send it to me. Yeah, I will. Because uh, for those listening, I don't have access to the the studio text thread. Uh huh. Um, but if it's if it's good, if it's funny, I I would love to know. There was one that had to do with politics, and I don't know why it got there. Oh my. Um, which means that they probably weren't listening to this show. Um, they might have been listening to like a network show on the stream. I, I, I don't know. But just to let you in, uh, when it's on the weekend, even though I haven't figured out a way to, to, to silence my phone uh, from the app, um, we're not here. We're out having lives. Like what did you do this weekend? What did I do this weekend? Uh, Must have been so good that you're asking yourself the question what you did this weekend. It was actually a refreshing – kind of restful weekend oh i mean this is the first 
like that's the last weekend before football that's kind right. of starts and yeah. so uh where i could have pushed the envelope a little bit and gone and done a bunch of stuff i i I, I didn't do a whole lot, which was really nice. Good. Uh-huh. Got to relax a little bit. Took a couple naps. That's always nice. Straight grandpa status over here. <laughs> uh, I would I would tease Grandpa Hunter, but I also did take a nap on there, Sunday. Yep. So uh, Josh could go pro in napping. I can. Um, but you see, my excuse on my nap, it was Sunday. We had done the uh, Kailua Beach Walk. Uh, which you and I have crossed paths on before. Yes, unplanned. Yeah. Um, this is a little shorter one because uh, part of Kailua Beach was taken up for the uh, canoe races, mm. which I didn't realize they had canoe races going on on Sunday. I, I didn't even know they used Kailua Beach for, for canoe races. I'm so used to back on the Big Island when they did canoe races, it was always on a Saturday uh, at, mm. at either Hilo Bay or um, – right off of uh, Kailua Kona, right off of uh, King Kamehameha Kona Beach Hotel. I hadn't realized they do it on Sundays here. So we get there, and it's, like, packed. uh, But we ended up finding parking. So it was a little shorter, but it was still, like, close to five miles back and forth. And then we got home, and probably within, like, an hour, we had, like, a late breakfast, like a brunch. And then within an hour of that, I was out for, like, two hours. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, um, it was it was very restful. Uh, what, we had the coaches meeting, and then uh, yeah, we had uh, we we walked into Waikiki last night, grabbed some dinner, and then ate it on the beach. Nice, dude. Yeah, that was uh, because, like you said, it's the realization that our Saturdays are gone, gone from this point forward through the end of the year, pretty yeah. much, with the exception of the bye week. Yep. That Hawaii has, uh, yeah, every Saturday. Well, uh, well, there's the Friday. Um, the Stanford game's on That's a Friday. True. Next Saturday, we're free. That Yes. Um, it's a realization. That, yeah, after that, I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm already looking ahead to, like, February through May. Mm. Uh, well, when, and to be fully transparent, we wouldn't have it any other way, right? This oh, of is, course. This is the best time of the entire year when it comes to sports. But this is where we also realize as um, individuals who I think are, are somewhat understanding of life, um, our significant others aren't going to see us as, as often on the weekend. It's true. So uh, this is the time to take care of that mm-hmm. and, uh, and and get all that in. Like I, I don't remember what I did Saturday night. I, I, I'm trying to think of what I did this weekend, and I don't remember Saturday night. I know the coaches' meeting we or the, uh, the the officials' clinic we went to. Yep, and then I went to practice you after that. You went to practice. Me and John I, I went home and did chores. Um, I do not remember that evening at all. And that's and no, there was no like clubbing going on or anything. There was no there were there was no alcohol involved that would make me forget what I did on the Saturday night. The thought of Josh Pacheco at like rum fire and how uncomfortable he would be in the corner <laughs> yes. is really comical. <laughs> you are so right. Yeah. I would not know what to do <laughs> at a place like that. Uh, no. Um <laughs> Just keep imagining that because that's the closest you're going to get to me there. Um, but yeah, um, that was that was our weekend. So we we enjoyed it. We got our nap in. Uh, there will be no napping on Saturday. 
at uh, at Big City Diner in YPO. In fact, I can already smell the uh, the Calbi for uh, for Saturday. Oh yeah, I can already smell that. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that at Big City. Yes. Yep. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, so we transition from the previous or the upcoming Saturdays mm-hmm. to this last Saturday. One of the things I do remember is uh, there are a couple of interesting bouts on the UFC side. Brad Tavares with the win um, and, uh, and and a good one for him. I think he needed that win. Uh, but the way he did it as well, I mean, he came in definitely with a game plan, got that one done um, against an opponent in, you know, in Weidman who, I mean, we, we know the leg issues, the gruesome injury, and, uh, and, and Tavares attacked that. So happy for him he got the win. But Sugar Shane O'Malley, Oof. or Sean O'Malley, I'm sorry. Yep. I'm thinking Sugar Shane from, like, Shane Mosley. Nice. Um, I've talked with him a couple of times in the past. He is a character. Oh, yes. Um, little known fact, by the way. Yeah. Little known fact. One of the pre-taped interviews I did with him several years ago made it on to a UFC um you know how they do like some of the videos of like you know your your prep toward about and so they have like you know the not the life of but you'll see some videos day before two days before like you got camera crews following him mm-hmm. I don't even know how what to call it um but one of my pre-tape interviews made it onto that little mini documentary because I heard my voice, and they showed him on the phone, uh, on speakerphone, with my voice in the background saying best of luck to him. No way. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Of all the things they could have chosen in that um, run of interviews back to back to back, they chose best this one. Um, that was odd. But you got to feel happy for O'Malley. Um, he has worked his way into star status. For sure, and winning a belt as he did on Saturday certainly cements that. He is certainly one of the more um, well-known, and I would even argue um, celebrated up-and-comer, up-and-coming guys mm-hmm. right now. Uh, he's really only been around and known for like the last couple of years. Like kind of right around COVID time was when he uh, first started to kind of make his appearances. Um, and if you, you have no idea who we're talking about, imagine a UFC fighter mixed with Riff Raff and Carrot Top. That's basically what Sean Sugar O'Malley looks like. Yes. Um, but put that on the side. The dude is bad. He goes out there and takes care of business and has that kind of um, – uh, signature move whenever he's done he does like an invisible dribble between his <laughs> legs and then jumps up and hits a fadeaway after he knocked knocked out his opponent which he he did this past weekend right. as well um he secured the bantamweight title which means he's a champ now um before he was just a contender he is he's got a c next to his name now um with conor mcgregor kind of leaving the stage uh, roughly the last year and a half, two years now. Um, outside of Israel Adesanya, you could argue for maybe a handful of others. Uh, Volkanovski has kind of um, made himself one of the faces of the sports. 
I would argue that uh, Sean O'Malley is certainly up there in that mix of guys that kind of is driving the sport forward. Absolutely. Um, and this sport needs that. Um, I could care less. Or I, I, That's how fighting goes. It's all about yeah. the promotion. I, I don't care if Conor McGregor comes back. And and I know There's how a time to leave. Yeah, I know how popular he is. I also know how controversial he is with some of the things that have been alleged um, of him. But this sport needs, unlike other sports, mixed martial arts and even boxing to a degree needs fresh names, mm. needs new stars. Um, the more you are stale the the less I think people watch. And so you want to see that that next athlete, you want to see that up-and-comer get the big win. Um, O'Malley's been around for a little bit, so it's not like he's anybody new, but it's, you know, he, now he's getting his due. That's right. And and that's the part that you, you love seeing for a guy like him. But, you know, McGregor's done his thing. He, he he was successful in the octagon. He was not so successful as a boxer. He's kind of, to me, moved on. He's not even willing to do the stuff that's necessary. Like we don't even know if he's drug tested uh, and gone through through the USADA program no. to be ready to 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 fight by the end of the year. But McGregor? at the same time, yeah, yeah, his face looks totally different now. Yeah. I don't know what he's been taking, but uh, it's completely tra- transformed the construction of his jawline. I mean, he looks more like Tom Hardy from Batman whenever he played Bane than he does Conor McGregor. And he is Conor McGregor. Yes. So it, it he, you're exactly right. He better be off the stuff long enough to uh, be able to fight. I also blame the UFC, though. Um, you know, the whole ultimate fighter with, with him and Chandler, Yep. Um, to me, is actually the least interesting ultimate fighter that they have created in a while. I mean... It was more about the coaches than it was about the guys yeah, up and, and coming. And you even questioned, did the coaches even want to be there? Especially Conor McGregor. Yeah. Uh, because you you really think they that... They had to have paid him in a, a gargantuan amount of, amount of money for right. him to be there. Do you really think that Conor McGregor wants to build the next great MMA star? No. No, he don't care. Because that takes away from him. He don't care. Yeah. Um, but it's the UFC force feeding him down our throats in a way that has nothing to do with, um, you know, tapping someone or knocking someone out of the octagon while he force feeds himself steroids. Well said. <laughs> Allegedly. It something. Uh, yeah. Didn't either, happen naturally like e- that. E- either that or he's gotten out of shape, mm. which I doubt. Yeah. Um, you can text in our Zephyr Insurance text lines at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420 as well. Traffic in moments. This is Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. You know, something we don't normally pay attention to, um, NFL preseason games in general, uh, unless we're uh, we're watching a particular player like uh, like a Tua Tonga-Vailoa, will we see uh, Jordan Ta'amu? He's now a part of the Minnesota Vikings franchise. Uh, what will we end up making of Marcus Mariota uh, with the, the Philadelphia Eagles? Eagles? 
I know you guys watched him on on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll we'll we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, one other thing to watch for: the Baltimore Ravens preseason winning streak. Twenty four straight wins. The Baltimore Ravens have. This goes back to twenty fifteen, when the Ravens played Atlanta. In a preseason game. The referee in that game is now retired. He works for ESPN. That's John Perry. And I see you guys on the phones. We'll get to you in a second here at 808-296-1420. I can't. I think Matt Ryan was the quarterback for the Falcons at that time. Um, John Harbaugh was still coaching the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the last time they lost. was 2015. Wow. And um, eight years, they've been in a back and forth with the uh, the Washington Commanders for a while, and uh, they hold a two point lead with about four minutes to go. So now I've got a question for you, Josh. You okay. know I will uh, harp on branding all day yes. if I if I find something that I disagree with. Um, do you consider preseason Monday Night Football if it's being played on a Monday night? Um. Yes. I mean, you've got the uh, Monday Night Football broadcast team. Okay. Uh, it is indeed played on a Monday, and it is their uh, their consistent branding. So I would I would say yes, it is it is preseason I mean, from, Monday Night Football. From a technicality, sure, it technically is Monday Night Football, but I would love if they just put a little preseason above it. Okay. To be extra specific, because to me this isn't Monday Night Football. <laughs> It, this is the this is the dry run. Yeah, but Odell Beckham Jr., who's on our screen in a hoodie, uh, he he would be playing if it was Monday Night Football. You know, Lamar Jackson's not playing in this That's game. Right? Um, he would be playing as well. Are you surprised Lamar Jackson's not not played in a preseason game? No, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> it, it's the equivalent of Mahomes not playing preseason, even though he did play this last one. Well, I stand corrected. Then I didn't know that. <laughs> All right. Um, I yeah well, I, I mean he's got a monster contract though. He does have a mon- <laughs> But so does Lamar. Lamar got paid big time. Well, that's what I mean. Lamar has the monster contract. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league right now and and Mahomes will get back up there uh once that ladder comes back around to him. Maybe the reason is you can't expect Lamar not to run the ball. True. Even a little bit. That's just that's that's like uh telling Phelps not to swim. Mm. Uh where Mahomes, you could go out there and throw a couple of balls, and he didn't move at all. Right. So, I don't. Maybe that's the reason. But uh, again, it's only week two. Maybe they'll they'll get some reps in in the in the third week. Text for you, Hunter. Oh boy. Uh, this is from our Zephyr Insurance text line. It's from Scott. Hunter, is the shovel pass in the run and shoot offensive? <laughs> is wait. It's very offensive. Is the shovel pass in the run and shoot offensive? That's a very effective play if done right and at the right times. I'm trying to think if he if he meant to type offensive or um effective. Is the shovel pass in the run and shoot offense in offense. general? Uh I mean, because I can take this two different ways based on one word. Is it offensive? Let's start there. Is is the shovel pass offensive, uh, Mr. Quarterback? <laughs> well, it's it's a play that is performed on offense. So <laughs> if we're really going to harp on, <laughs> on English, it, it uh, yes, it, it is offensive. I don't know if it's offensive. Okay. Even though it's spelled exactly the well, same. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, um, is it offensive for you to throw a shovel pass? 
absolutely not, especially if that tight end or running back gets me, you know, 60, 70 yards of yards after catch. There you go. Just running. Okay. Uh, Now, is it part of the offense? uh, Traditionally, no. However, Rolo did try to incorporate it. Uh, In 2017 and 2018, we did throw – because we still had tight ends uh, Mm, on the offense during that time. And so bringing them across in kind of uh, uh, shuffle – motion uh, pre-snap motion and incorporating the uh the rpo with the running back you can kind of put that defensive end in a bind um but you also need to block very well for that to be open and enough space for a tight end who's a big body to slide through the o-line so it's uh not um unprecedented that we might see it but it's not traditional in the run and shoot I personally do not find the um, shovel pass Me offensive. Neither. Anything that gets us into the end zone, I do not find offensive at all. Yeah, um, it is It is certainly a play that when uh, the right people are running it, um, and uh, I can I can attest for one individual on our team, Chris Hart, who always asks about the shovel pass every year. Along are with, we running the shovel pass? Along with the, hey, what are those trash bins out there? <laughs> what are those for? How are those helping us win games? Hey, what are those? What are those blue things, Hunter? Those are pads. Those are pads, Chris. We will never let him uh, live that down. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's... Um, those are pads. That's classic. Again, I just wish you had it on, on mic. That's all. I wish people could hear it instead of it being in the background for comedic effect. You know, because that's what we need. Uh, One more hour to go. Coming up, we talked about expectations. Um, We'll talk about Hawaii's defense. We're going to play the expectation game with them. Uh, But Jim Harbaugh is going to be suspended. Eh, How much of a suspension is it? That's after Sports Center and Traffic on ESPN Honolulu. No, Pete. That was not enough jargon for me. Give it to me in complex 11-word sentences. I got lost in the sauce. <laughs> you know, look, hey, Pete, uh, Pete's good. Pete Dammel, uh, ESPN College Football Insider, earlier today on College Football Live on ESPN Television on the jargon also known as Jim Harbaugh's three-game suspension, which, let's be clear, the NCAA Committee on Infractions was about to uh, give him a four-game suspension, uh, for his role in the um, uh, the NCA violations that Michigan had uh, had created, all of a sudden, while that was kind of denied, um, we see Michigan say, "Oh, we'll just we'll we'll do three. So I'm wondering, um, can the NCA still step in here, yeah. and say, "Well, no, uh, we've been thinking about four just because you self-imposed something." doesn't mean that we can't actually uh, hand you something else. And not only that, where where's the rule that stipulates a suspension from a school is not included in the NCAA's mm-hmm. suspension? Yeah. What's stopping the NCAA from saying, actually, we've evaluated that we ourselves are going to issue a three-game or a four-game and that's disconnected from whatever the school decided to do right there. Right. Well, what's making the NCAA honor those three games in their suspension? 
Right. To, to me, I, I could see Michigan almost shooting themselves in the foot right here in trying to uh, what the NCAA has, has deemed uh, exemplary um, compliance mm. in, in previous unconnected uh, circumstances. But they, they have said that about certain schools. Like, yeah, they've done a really good job about um, coming forward and being fully transparent and uh, just condoning themselves in the way that we approve of. Well, in a situation like this, th- th- they could come in and be the ultimate bad guys, and Harbaugh might be suspended six games or seven. With you know, if they come in and say, you know, we're still going to do R three on top of the three that Michigan, this is crazy, Josh. Um, let, let's let's circle back the clock a little bit, and then you know, I'll further your point on why this is crazy. Um, Harbaugh's facing a level one NCA violation for uh, what he did during the uh, COVID-19 dead period, uh, alleged violations during that time. Um, he could face these. I mean, he still could face a three to six game suspension from the NCA. There are four level two violations um, there as well. The actual punishment against the team or or against the program may not come until next year. But part of why the NCAA wanted to impose potentially a four-game punishment against Harbaugh was his lack of cooperation. Mm. This is why they kind of were were easy on Tennessee. Um, and they That's imposed right. That, more, that was the one. Right. They imposed more monetary stuff rather than like a bowl ban or something yep. because Tennessee actually tried to cooperate. That's right. They didn't take him out of postseason contention. Right. Um, here's the thing. Michigan can't fool me. Hmm. I don't think they can fool you, Hunter Hughes. Nope. You want to know what three games Jim Harbaugh is suspended for? Yep. The non-conference like baloney games at the beginning yes. of the year. The powers that be yeah. known as East Carolina, not bad, UNLV. Hey, we know those guys. And Bowling Green. Oof. Here's the other thing about how little I take seriously um, Michigan's actual punishment here. It's because all these games are at home. Mm-hmm. One thing about Michigan, and I have complained about this before, um, they are one of the worst when it comes to non-conference scheduling because more often than not, Michigan doesn't travel. They stay at home. They are um, pathetic. You want to talk about bad non-conference scheduling? We got to bring up Georgia too after this. Okay. Yeah, let's let's do it. Um, you know, Michigan – does not have to travel again for a non-conference game until 2025. Wow. When they play at Oklahoma. Two years away. Two years away. All three of their non-conference games next year, Fresno State, Texas, Arkansas State, are all at home. It is, um, you know, I, I think of last year. When Hawaii was on that schedule, remember? They had oh, yeah. their three non-conference games against Colorado, Hawaii, and Yukon. All of them were at home. And, you know, you, you want to try to make a case, Michigan would, for how, you know, how good we are, yep. right? Um, yet, 
you don't really challenge yourself. Granted, we complain about this with SEC teams too when they play like the the uh, UT Chattanoogas right. in in non conference play. They use that those home games not only to rack up the score but to sell those games out, and it's mm-hmm. just a booster fest. You want to know, and I think I I I think I'm honing into this answer. I had the answer before. I totally forgot about it. You want to know the last time that Michigan played a non-conference game at home, or uh, or I'm sorry, on the road? 60s. 2018. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not that bad. Okay. Five years ago. Wow. They played a non-conference game at Notre Dame, and you know what happened? They lost. Yep. And since that point. Every non-conference game since has been played at home, and I believe they have won all of those non-conference games that they have played at home since that one loss against Notre Dame. It is weak. As weak as weak can be, including a double overtime win against Army and a uh, 45-14 win against Notre Dame. That's ironic because they used to play Notre Dame every year. Uh-huh. I grew up uh, watching and being a fan of that rivalry. I grew up as a Notre Dame fan around Chicago. Okay. Um, Rudy was like my favorite movie. Um, and Michigan and Notre Dame did a home-and-home home every other year. So whenever they elected to take that out of their yearly schedule, I think that was kind of when that changed, and it was right, right around that time. Yeah. Um, it's pathetic. And so – You know, what the NCAA would have done if they did a four-game suspension, the first game of conference play against Rutgers would have been out. But it's like, oh, you know, we're we're showing that we're trying to show the NCAA that we take this seriously. So here's a three-game suspension that we know we're going to win all three games. Oh, uh, by the way, he doesn't have to coach those three games, but he can coach during the week. So he can do his work Monday through Friday. Totally. And occasionally on Sundays if he's not resting. Not only that, you can set the entire um the entire game plan, the exact plays. Because mm-hmm. we know he calls. ain't he ain't calling plays. No. And like there's nothing from a, a gameplay perspective that's any different from if he was there or if he wasn't, other than maybe timeout decisions. Um different kind of gameplay protocol stuff outside of that there's these these are as good as as wins on the schedule yeah you know what he's got experienced coaches that work under him that they can be just fine his um his quote in a statement released by the school tells me everything you know about how little they take this seriously said and i quote I will continue to do what I always tell our players and my kids at home. Don't get bitter, get better. That that is the most sarcastic kind of uh a certain finger towards yes. the NCAA that yes. I've ever heard. Yes. Don't but, get bitter, get better. All right, I'll get better from something from th- what, 4 years ago now? Cuz it was 2019-2020 recruiting class. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. My bad. That's that's how I read that. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. Um, 
hey, I, I, I can do things that you can't stop me from doing, and I'm going to get away with it because I can. I'm Jim Harbaugh. Um, more often than not, um, I don't really care about what Michigan does or not, but this is one of those occasions that you kind of hope that the NCAA can step in and say, uh, your three games are great, but don't care. We'll, 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 we'll give you those and we'll add like one more. We'll add a couple more because honestly, um, he's not going to miss the Ohio state game. No, he's not going to miss the Michigan state game and Won't anything Penn up, state. Yeah. Anything up to that point is considered just, you know, vacation for, for Jim Harbaugh. Yes. Um, we are watching something, by the way, it, I, I, I know it's preseason, but we are watching potentially the Baltimore Ravens preseason winning streak in uh, at stake. They have won 24 straight going back to 2015. The Washington oh, commanders a field goal to take the lead with nine seconds remaining. And it was a bomb. Yeah, it was over 50. And so the commanders are high-fiving like they just won the NFC East (laughs) because we know they won't this year, um, just like they haven't in quite some time. And uh, they may have just – there's nine seconds remaining. They may have just ended the – so pointless. Put Lamar yet, in there. <laughs> Protect the, the record. He's so pointless, but yet so fun if you're like a stat nerd. Um, preseason winning streak of the Baltimore Ravens. Hey, I don't think uh, Washington's kicker posted anything on Instagram at halftime. <laughs> you're taking shade at the Cleveland Browns, I see. Uh, yes. Um, Not that that's difficult to do. But you know what they need? Uh, you know, for for all the sarcasticness we have to throw into this, you know, so useless stat, um, the winner of the preseason or the team with the best record in the preseason, they should get rings, like the NBA summer league champions get rings. They they should get rings for winning three games out of three. Now, I think this could be a little. Uh, a little preview to what we'll talk about in the next segment here, Josh. Could there be some notes that the NFL could take from what we offered, of course, to the NBA of the in-season tournament? Uh-huh. Could there be some sort of um, draft results that are affected from how you, how well you do in preseason? Hunter Hughes just dropped a tease. Let that simmer while we take you to traffic. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Hunter Hughes, we just watched... History. Yes. (laughs) But greater than that, we just watched the greatest celebration the Washington Commanders have had in years. They celebrated beating the Baltimore Ravens in a preseason game. Like, and I, I, I don't mean it facetiously like I did earlier. They celebrated like they had just won the division. I, I'm still puzzled. Okay. It, it, it looked like a participation trophy celebration. <laughs> 
because I, I hate to be that guy, but a lot of those guys are going to get cut. <laughs> yeah. If you've watched Hard Knocks, a large percentage of the guys that we watch in preseason, they don't make the team. Right. Celebrate now. Enjoy your pink slip in a week and a half. And you know what? Who are who are we to say stop having fun? True. They, they look like they're having a good time. True. Yeah. Um, but they'll they'll learn the harsh realities of the league. When you're the one playing in the fourth quarter of uh, of an NFL preseason game, there is usually a reason why you didn't play the first and the second. And maybe not even the third. Unless they were really, really um, prepped by their coaching staff saying, we're going to break this record. We're, we're going to be the ones to snap this 24-game preseason winning streak if – Somehow they were programmed this week by that coaching staff. I could see them getting excited because that's that's one thing you can do with football players is uh, program them to be uh, emotionally unstable for for things like that. Trust me, I've I've been emotionally unstable for minute things like that. Wow. Yeah. Um, you had an idea you wanted to throw out there. Um, yeah. Including the draft and the NFL. Well, we were talking about the NBA in season tournament. What was that two weeks ago now? Something like that. Yeah. Um, and we were wondering, okay, how does the NBA figure out incentive for players to play harder? Do, do you combine it with um, charitable uh, charitable things? Do you have draft uh, possibilities? And then what was the, the other one that we came to? Um, oh, oh, automatic – an automatic bid into the um, – The lottery. No, no, no. It was automatic bid into oh, the, the play-in play-in tournament. tournament. Yeah. Well, what if somehow, some way, you know, preseason, I don't know how this would even happen because there is no play-in tournament for football. Correct. Um, so I, I don't think that applies here. But maybe there's some sort of after the third round – you get an automatic number one overall pick for the fourth round or something like that? Hmm. Like, you could consider it like a compensatory pick. That's right. But instead of the having that pick in the compensatory draft, because that's a complete, completely different draft in itself, um, you just have it, yeah, in round four. Or, or let's say, yeah, round four because that's day three. Uh-huh. Day three starts at round four. That would make sense. Yeah, maybe... And the, the the whole reason it's really not to get the players to play harder; it's for the coaches to coach harder. Mm-hmm. The, those are the ones that are going to feel the effects of next year's draft, not these guys who are lucky to make the final roster. Right. It's it's the ownership, it's the front office, which which again was the whole point of the in season incentives for basketball was how do we get the front office more involved here. And not just from a money-making perspective. How, how does this matter for everybody? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if the NFL could figure out uh, something like that to bump up the ante for these preseason games. Let's stay in the NFL here briefly. Uh, it is off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, texter from the 218 has a question for you, Hunter. Do you think the Philadelphia Eagles told Marcus Mariota not to run in game two of the preseason because they wanted to see other parts of his game? You and Tanner watched that game while you guys were doing the show uh, on Thursday. Uh, do you think that makes sense? Hmm. Uh, 
No. No, I don't. I I think watching that game, he didn't really have a lot of opportunity to run. The pocket collapsed on him pretty quickly. Um, that offensive line is pretty top-heavy with Kelsey and a few others that are kind of mainstays where I don't think they've built up their second uh, their second team of offensive line that he was um, playing behind and he was uh, he was hurried a lot in that game so tough to create something out of nothing there um, I, I I think the offense that he will be asked to step into as the backup for Jalen Hurts in its nature will ask him to run the ball because they incorporate a lot of run pass option a lot of read option not many offenses in the league do that the Baltimore Ravens are one of them um, and then occasionally you might see that with the Cardinals too with Kyler Murray but you, you have to have a, a specific skill set at quarterback to incorporate that and I think Marcus possesses those skills to be the backup in, in about 30 seconds um, from what you have seen of him impressed disappointed what, what would be the words to describe uh, I I hoped for more uh, honestly I it's tough to say if that's purely on him um, but unfortunately I feel like we've been saying that for his whole career yeah I, I hate that that's the truth but me and Tanner looked at each other and we're like hey we're kind of impressed with that third string guy he made a lot of good throws. So the guy sitting behind Marcus actually looked better than Marcus. Yeah. Uh, we'll turn back to UH football. Expectations on the defensive side after traffic in Sports Center. Final words are on the way about 20 minutes from right now. It is off the bench. Uh, the Brotherhood. Pride, tradition, and excellence uh, follows us at 6 o'clock. We're here all week, as you would expect. Uh, Tanner's in for me on Thursday. Uh, We got Rainbow Wahine Soccer, uh, Hawaii and Sacramento State on uh, Thursday at 645. Uh, So enjoy that. This is our uh, final week. Well, we had our final week. This is our first week of college football. Uh, uh, I am stoked. Not only Hawaii and Vanderbilt, uh, Navy, Notre Dame mm-hmm. in Dublin. Um, that will probably be what I end up watching before uh, before head. Well, actually, no. It starts at eight thirty. That's like a late kick, so I'll probably end up watching like the first half, mm. and then uh, heading over to Big City Diner in Waipio, which is where we're going to have uh, countdown to kickoff. Um, if you're looking for other conference games to watch, I was gonna gonna look on the computer, but uh, our internet's down. Yep, great time for that. Um, I think San Diego State, they just released their two deep. Um, they play this weekend, I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah, we're going to have some fun here in, in week zero. Here we go. Um, San Jose State's at USC. That's that's fun. Good luck, Chev. Yeah. The number six team in the nation is playing. And guess where you can find number six USC on the Pac-12 Network. No way. That one's not network. That's not network. Oh, my goodness. But guess what's in primetime on ESPN? Vandy. No, that's SEC Network. Oh, my bad. Uh, UMass, New Mexico State. Oh, my goodness. Can't wait. Yes. Get me some popcorn. Yes. 
Um, Hawaii Vanderbilt SEC Network. The uh, line is Vanderbilt minus 17 and a half. I wonder if it went down when they found out that Vandy can't uh, get their stadium ready by game one. You know, <laughs> um, that, that had to have hurt the line a little bit. I, I think the line actually stayed. Uh, I, I, I thought it stayed right around there. Um, I, I I do have to put something up, though, on our on our Tanner Hayworth because he on Twitter tried to make fun of Vanderbilt. Did you see this? Yes. Yeah. He tried to make fun of Vanderbilt about how, uh, you know, uh, is it is it I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Is it safe to have five feet of space between the end zone and the wall? To which I thought and I didn't say it at the time, but apparently others did. Um, have, have you seen the Clarence T.C. Yeah. Ching Athletics Complex? It it might be five feet. Might be. It's of, it's tight. Of, Granted, there there's a ton of padding. There is, but did you? See, I mean, one of the things they didn't do um, in adding all the seats and stuff, the space is still the same. Yeah. Um, they didn't really get to. I guess they couldn't um, move back the seating behind the end zones. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's 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 a lot of padding. Um, I think when we were there on Wednesday doing our equipment test, um, they were also putting the uh, the signage for their uh, yeah. one of their one of their sponsors. You know what's another uh, big time stadium that has that problem is Georgia. Georgia has that uh, brick. That's right. Yes, around the exterior of the field, and they try to protect it with that like neatly manicured. Uh, kind of hedge bush mm-hmm. thing, but people go flying into it all the time. Yeah. Um. Back before this is a long time ago at TC Ching Athletic Complex, before the renovations and everything, when we shared that facility with track and field, the pole vault, uh, mat pad, whatever you want to call it, occupied the southeast corner end zone right. of the field right there, and. The weather protection thing that they would put over top of it was made of, like, metal. Oh. And I'm not kidding. It was within five feet from the back pylon, the the back corner pylon. So any goal line, red zone throw over into that corner, guys ran into that thing all the time. Oh. Oh. All the time. So I'm thankful that they have at least thought through – some line of defense, even if it's little, with yeah. those kind of gymnastic pads that that occupy the uh, the end zone bleachers it's on better, both sides. It's better than nothing. It needs something. Yeah. San Diego State, Ohio. Uh, San Diego State is a two and a half point favorite at home over the Ohio Bobcats. I'm and, rooting for Ohio. Um, and uh, so San Jose State at number six, USC. USC minus thirty one. Dang, I might I might get action on that one. You've got the Heisman winner at quarterback for yep. USC. Caleb Williams. Legitimate Pac-12 championship contender. Um, and handsome Cliff Kinsbury has joined their coaching staff yeah, now. They, they may very well make the college football playoff. I mean, they have loaded their non-conference schedule in the first couple of weeks with powerhouses, San Jose State and Nevada. They will go 2-0. And then they will beat Stanford to go 3-0. And then they will beat Arizona State. You know why they're going to beat Stanford? Because we're going to put a licking on Stanford. And Stanford is not even going to be able to stand 
playing against USC. Keep keep drinking that watermelon flavored Kool Aid of yours. <laughs> um, then they're gonna go and win at Colorado. Yep. They'll they'll hand Deion Sanders an L. Um, then they're gonna beat Arizona. So they're gonna be six and zero. I believe USC will. And then at that point they'll probably probably be top five. Probably. At Notre Dame, home against Utah, two top 15 opponents as of this moment, and then their last three games, home against Washington, at Oregon, home against UCLA. Mm. Five games that will determine USC's fate right there from mid-October all the way down. Up to that point, um, it's going to be a breeze. Now, uh, we were talking about Hawaii. We talked about expectations, week zero expectations. Forget the the big picture for now. Yep. Um, it is such a cliche, but coaches have things to look for week by week by week. So in week zero, we talked about offense earlier. What is your expectation of Hawaii's defense week zero against Vandy? Uh, I, I think that the biggest question after last year was will we be able to recruit guys to help us stop the run? And that's not only guys on the D-line, that's beefing up our secondary, which we've admitted is probably the deepest it's it's maybe ever been. Um, certainly one of the, the most talented um, position groups that we've had in a while. That will help free up linebackers um, to do different stunts and blitzes um, to kind of help in that run uh, protection. And that was one thing that Vandy did uh, without much effort against us last year was they, they ran right over us. So I, I would love to see us keep Vandy less than 200 yards on the ground. That would be That would be a really good first step in the right direction of of getting that accomplished and if if we got if we got one turnover that 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 would be awesome i i would i would love if our offense didn't turn the ball over at all and we got one on defense Mm -hmm. i'm always looking at if we can win the turnover margin see it's interesting i you have you know wanting to see hawaii shut down the ground game in a way i kind of want to see hawaii shut down the passing game i don't see i i guess what I'm looking at is because Vanderbilt, I think, will look differently, will, will look different Big offensively. Time. I expect them to throw the ball a little bit more. Um, if Vanderbilt is successful on the ground, that tells me that Vanderbilt's ability to throw the football is not successful. Mm. And it, granted, I think your point is accurate. Hawaii against the run. Yeah. last year. So I, I think improvement would be good there. But I, I'd like to see Hawaii shut down one aspect of Vanderbilt's offense, hmm. um, which means if they give up a lot against the run, but they're able to shut down the pass, I I, I at least see progress there. Honestly, I would, I would actually love for them to not run the ball and try their luck in the air. Uh-huh. Honestly, try it because there's one thing that our defense has is it's experience practicing against the pass. Right. The entire fall, I mean, our guys are practicing the run and shoot against our own guys, which means we're throwing the ball probably conservatively, Josh, like 60% of the plays during our practices. So, 
and honestly, that that's our strength. If if they are, I, I really hope they don't hear this. If they're dumb enough to not <laughs> run the ball on us and and put it in the air for guys like Peter Manuma, um, Mekhi Pei, uh, uh, Cam Stone, uh, for us to get a hand on the ball, th- honestly, th- I. I I hate to break it to you, it's not going to happen. Like they're they're going to run. They're going to run on us and then allow us to kind of concentrate our guys in the middle and then throw the ball. I would be shocked if they came out swinging with passes. I honestly I would because that is the that's the scouting report whenever you you do your homework on Hawaii's that were weak up front. Right. And if you're a big Offensive line team, like I, I, I couldn't believe how big those guys were last year. That they were SEC large, and you can win the battle in the trenches. It's it's pretty much over. SEC large, yes, SEC large. That's a great way to put it. Uh, do they do they have um, SEC buffets? The, the, their uh, their training tables. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. The the, the other thing was they traveled like an SEC team. I bet. And, well, I couldn't believe how many fans came all the way out from from Tennessee. That that's a long plane ride. Yeah. I mean you gonna turn down going to Hawaii? I, <laughs> See I, I wonder that's the what other, they, that's what they all told me whenever I talked to them. I, I wonder the other way around how many people from Hawaii are gonna go to Nashville. The team. <laughs> I mean look Unless we have transplants yeah. that are out there. Although Nashville is kind of um a place I would want to check out. I mean, you got the Grand Ole Opry. Yep. Uh, I'd want to check out a Titans game if you could. Oh, yeah. That seems like a buzzing. Actually, I'm a minor league baseball guy, so I want to see the Nashville Sounds. Oh, cool. I want to see their scoreboard. Um, if I recall correctly, their scoreboard is shaped in a, in a guitar. That's cool. Yes. Um, I would love to have that... Uh, have that you know ability? Tell me the screen is just the neck, and it's like really, really skinny. No, and really, really short. No, I, the the screen. <laughs> That'd the, be funny. The, the big part. I think the neck is the line score. Okay. I think, and I see you guys on the phone, so we'll get to you in a second. I I think the line score is the neck. Um, but yeah, that would be a a bucket list for me if I could ever go to Nashville. Would would be to do that. Um, from the four nine seven, we talked earlier about the shovel pass. Your favorite, <laughs> yeah. your, your favorite. And if uh, it was offensive, yes. Uh, texter from the four nine seven says the shovel pass was used at UH during Bob Wagner's time when Paul Johnson was the offensive coordinator. If you still have access to watch UH beat BYU fifty six to fourteen in nineteen eighty nine, watch Jeff Snyder or Jeff Seidner, Dane MacArthur. And Clayton Mahuka catch the shovel pass successfully. It sounds like this texter uh, wants a volunteer position at Aloha Stadium when they're cataloging all of those videos. <laughs> if you could, I guess. Yeah. I'm sure, by the way, they're looking for help. Oh, yeah. That's true. Uh, let's get <laughs> Cynthia in here. Cynthia, good afternoon. How are you? I'm fine. I just wanted to tell you that not just the football team is going to see the Vanderbilt game. There are a bunch of fans, including myself and some other people, that are traveling to Nashville. Awesome. So, yeah. And I've got friends in Chattanooga that are coming, too. They're going to meet us there. So, hopefully, there's a big turnout of Hawaii fans that, that decide to go to 
you know, Nashville, we've never been, so it's kind of a fun place to visit. So we're using that excuse, too, to see the game and, and see the Grand Ole Opry and eat some good food. So hopefully there will be a lot of people doing that. So uh, when are you guys heading out? I think the team leaves, what, Tuesday night? Tuesday. Yeah, so when do you guys head out? <laughs> Tomorrow. Oh, we're going to uh, we're going to Denver first, and then we're flying out Saturday morning. Oh! And then staying... And then staying on till Wednesday. Oh, okay. Making a weekend of it. You better hope that your flight does not get delayed Saturday morning. Well, we're flying from Denver. That's a really short flight, so we figured we can. There's probably flights going over there because it doesn't start till six thirty p.m. Right. So luckily, you know, we have a lot of time to get over there. That's we're sh- leaving early in the morning. How short of a flight is that? I have it down as two hours, 35 minutes. Probably something like that. I think we leave at 9 and we get there oh, she'll be before fine. noon. Yeah. yeah. I Man, you, you guys are brave because even though you might have those those hours of time, I couldn't. Speaking of brave, be careful with that barbecue. It, it, it'll get you if you're not careful. Yeah. Okay, Cynthia? <laughs> well, we heard that hot chicken is the thing to eat. Yes. Oh, yeah. That? Nashville heat. Is it, That's a thing. Is it really, really good? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, we're going to try that. So. There you go. Enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, um, when you when you get back, share some stories, all right? Okay. Will do. Hopefully awesome. Talk Thank about you, Cynthia. Again. Go Bows. We're lots okay, of green for us. Bows. All right. Okay. Thanks for calling, Bye-bye. Cynthia. I've never had Nashville hot chicken. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's, it's great? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I saw it in a Food Network show I was watching yesterday. I think it was. Um, but, no, I've never had it. I can't imagine. Like, on the hot scale, where is it? Uh, well, it, it's not, like, ramen hot. It's more, like, tangy hot at the beginning. I don't consider ramen hot. You haven't had hot ramen, then. I mean, I've – I just think of the broth. Uh-huh. Ramen's, like – I it's, see. It's, I know they're spicy ramen, well, but it's, I, it's similar to like like spicy wings. Maybe not coated like that, but they they bake it with the spices and uh-huh, they, they cook yeah. it on the the, the smoker. It, it, the the heat gets infused into the meat. Gotcha. Um, so it just depends. They've got levels of it too. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's got to be on my bucket list then. Um, even though I've I've never been to Nashville, I got to find a place that has Nashville hot chicken. And see if it's authentic. I would think, right? Is there is there a such thing as inauthentic Nashville hot chicken? I don't know, but that place that uh, advertises with uh, with us, uh, Dixie Grill, yeah, one of their sauces is uh, called Nashville Heat. And you know what? They're authentic. They so are really I, good. Yeah, I I I take that and I I take that like gospel right there, which means I I gotta have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, final words coming up in a moment. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up next, it is the Brotherhood Pride Tradition and Excellence. Tomorrow on uh, this very program, Andrew Allegretta, who is Vanderbilt's play-by-play voice, will join us. Uh, you'll hear that about 3.30 tomorrow. Um, quick couple texts. Uh, one texture from the 292. Expectations for Hawaii's defense on Saturday. Stop the run. Right along with what you said. High school over the weekend, by the way. Mm. Um 
from the 224. Regarding some of the high school football game scores this weekend, I used to be the team doctor for high school football many years ago. I can tell you firsthand that blowout games with unevenly matched teams result in a lot of injured kids. Yep. They shouldn't be playing across divisions like this in high school. Note, these are um, non-league games. Um, for the, Most of them are. So um, the schools are the ones that you know, schedule the non-league games. But to the Texter's point, I don't like open division versus division one in the OIA. I don't like it at all. I don't think um, you should see, and I'm just throwing things out, I don't think you should see a St. Louis versus, and I'm sorry, not St. Louis, uh, Kahuku versus Nanakuli. Okay. Even though, you know, Nanakuli's moved up to D1, that is still, that's not fair. And, Blots can still happen, though, with evenly matched teams. That's right. Look at what happened to Kahuku and St. Louis this last weekend. Right. You know, like just a few years ago, those guys might have faced off in the, the state championship, and blowouts can happen when one team is better. You're right. Um, but to the, the Texter's defense, yeah, anything to keep the kids healthy. Uh, got this word within the last hour. The two MIL football games that were supposed to be played this weekend have been um, – uh, postponed. King K. Kaulike at Lahaina Luna was scheduled for Friday. Uh, Baldwin at Kamehameha was scheduled for Saturday. Uh, those games will not happen. All right. Uh, final words, Hunter, go for it. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, Josh, but Messi's MLS soccer team, Miami, uh, they faced off in the league, the league cup. Yeah. And it went to penalty kicks. And first time I've ever seen this, both teams went through their entire (laughs) starting roster, 11 players, and it literally came down to each team's goalie shooting on the other team's goalie. Love it. Messi's team won. Of course. Because it's Messi. He scored again, by the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's scoring goals at an alarming pace. It, it, it has to be like a Division One player going back to high school. Got to be. It, 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 he's making light work of that. Um, my final word today, Gloria Navarre is Mountain West Commissioner visiting Fresno State. Um, certainly raising some alarm bells. Uh, she was asked, and she said, and I quote, um, she was happy at 12 when it comes to uh, size of the conference, but with growing mega conferences, quote, I'm stretching my comfort zone to 14, 16. Doesn't mean we have to get there, close quote. Uh, Basically saying our doors are still open. We'll see what happens. Stanford and Cal will be the ones that turn the keys on this. We'll see you tomorrow. The Brotherhood is coming up next on ESPN Honolulu.